You are listening to the Gear 30 Podcast, a community, you could even call it a support group, for people addicted to outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. There is no shame here. In spite of what your spouse or partner may say, we believe it's okay to own five tents, seven backpacks, and 18 jackets. Our slogan, inspired by the great explorer Sir Ranolf Fiennes, is, there is no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate gear. So if you're an aspiring outdoor adventurer, a mountain guide, or anyone in between, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Gear 30 Podcast, where we talk about outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. Today, um, we are in Banyan 1, eating Little Caesar's Pizza, and uh, laughing and crying for Chase. He had a rough week. A, a yeah. good weekend, a rough week. We'll get into that on uh, on future episodes, I would say. But um, last week, you were at... The WWSRA Regional Trade Show. Mm-hmm. You're able to meet with a bunch of different vendors and see some of the cool stuff they have coming out for next season. Mm-hmm. So we want to take a few moments, a few minutes to talk about uh, some of the cool things you saw there. So is there anything particular, in particular, that stood out to you? Um, the first thing that comes to mind, <coughs> excuse me, is DinaFit, and they haven't really changed anything on bindings. Boots, they've added one more boot to the Hoji lineup. Um, still, same stuff. Um, but they redid their skis, and their apparel is pretty killer. I <clears throat> We've brought Dinafit in in the past as more of that like backcountry lightweight ski. Um, but they, is it the Beast line of skis? They've... They're awesome this next year. Just hmm. like looking at the the profile that they built to the ski, the core, the weight, everything about everything about the ski looks pretty awesome. It's not your when I think Dina Fit, I think like ultralight and max speed of twenty miles an hour, you know? Right. And these skis seem like they're gonna be a little bit more substantial, <clears throat> a wood core, just like bomber, good all mountain ski. Um, and then their apparel. I've tried their apparel on in the past and was never like Oh, this is really awesome as far as fit and that stuff goes. And I don't know if they've changed things this year, but their rep kind of pulled out an assortment that he thought would be good for our shop when we tried on some of their stuff, and it fit so well. I think it it exceeded some of the fits of our Arcteryx and Rab and some of those other brands. It has a really, really dialed fit um, and pretty good price point the colors aren't two euro they still have very euro colors if you want to get yeah them. what is two euro <laughs> i mean yeah, like, i've never seen it <laughs> br- bright just the neon colors you know um and <clears throat> that really euro fit the slimmer euro fit and they have definitely still that euro fit to it but they have some color options that aren't so like loud and in your face but you said the fit was what impressed you the most oh absolutely yeah so Euro fit is impressive. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't too small, wasn't too big, wasn't too long. Mm-hmm. It was a little longer. One thing that a lot of down jackets I've found is they're a little they're cut a little bit shorter and sometimes it's for it's easier to belay with and easier to do some activities with. Um, but I'd say a large majority of our users 
are using them to alpine ski or just to wear every day. Right. Um, we don't have a, our core group of users at our shop aren't looking for a belay parka um, or a really highly technical down piece. And I just thought that it was a little bit longer fit. It wasn't quite as long as Nerona. It wasn't as short as some of the RAV pieces. It just had a really good. I have a double zip though. It. Can you use it for belay? I think I don't remember if they're. I didn't pay attention to that. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not sure if their down piece did. But then they, he showed us a few soft shells. That everything was just so dialed. The fit was really dialed, and it looked really, really well. It looked really, really good. I was, I was impressed. It was one of those ones that it was a classic sales rep wanted me to wanted to sell me on this new addition to the line. <coughs> you and, try stuff on right there, or how? Mm -hmm. do you, yeah. If if I'm the sample size, and most okay. of the time I'm for apparel, it's usually mediums, and I'm medium almost across the board there's there was a time when i was also sample size <laughs> yeah. i remember those days you're, well yeah you're still close to it yeah yeah, yeah i'm a size off you know, <laughs> about two sizes off yeah so <laughs> me too <laughs> that was just one thing like it's again it's not anything absolutely earth shattering groundbreaking like improvements no but it's made. interesting because you know greg when you were buying you you, know, you were a big fan of dina fit but right. probably for different reasons yeah not their apparel so much. Yeah, I loved I loved Dina Fit for their hard goods for sure. They're definitely their bindings. Um, you know, when I was buying for Gear 30, that was at a time when uh, a lot of these other brands were just getting into the tech binding business. Well, we finally decided and we made the, an executive statement. Uh, we put it out there so that it is now truth that Greg was way ahead of the game on uh, ski mountaineering in, in Ogden. Yeah, really. We, we did talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we just feel like we're seeing a large, a large percentage of increase in backcountry travel in the last like two years. And you've been nice. out there that, crushing that the backcountry for way more than two years. <laughs> yep. Me and Brandon were just talking about that. I feel like we have more and more people come in on a daily basis looking for tech bindings. When I feel like when I first started working there, I was educating people of what is a tech binding. Right. You know, I think it's becoming more popular in, in, in the Ogden area. It's starting to take root more. And I don't know if it's because the resorts are getting busier. I think that's probably a big part of it. Well, and resort snow basin allows uphill travel. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's so, actually huge. <clears throat> I think you were, you were definitely an early adopter in the backcountry side of things. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I started backcountry skiing back when I was a teenager. So I've been doing it for, 20, uh, 17, 18 years, I guess. And, um, but we, you know, when we started gear 30, I wanted to, I wanted to focus on backcountry skiing in part because no one else in the, in Ogden was doing it, but also that's where my real passion was. And so it's what made me excited. I got, when I'd go to outdoor retailer or other shows, I'd get really excited to go check out what's the newest latest and greatest backcountry gear and i'd kind of fall asleep during like the alpine shows like <laughs> where I'd, I'd meet with with solomon or or um rosignol or some of those other companies and i'd see the new bindings and stuff and it just like falling asleep in the another meetings. frame binding um but but the backcountry was always like what got me excited so when we started pushing that for gear 30 it was partially because I had a hunch that, well, because I felt like it's an untapped market and uh, we're not competing with anyone necessarily. And then the other thing was I thought it would grow, but it took a lot longer to grow than I was expecting. Like, 
there were about five years, probably, maybe uh, five years or so, probably the first five years where at the end of every season, I'd have to look at it and be like, should we keep going with this? Because we just lost a bunch of money on it. I, I just remember people coming into the shop and looking at the equipment like it was some space age technology. Like, <laughs> yeah. what do you even use this for? <laughs> And yeah. you had to explain it, and and everybody was thrilled. And then they saw the price point and was like, like "Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> right. I don't have a grand to switch right now from right. my Alpine setup or whatever." And then and there were some binding setups that help you sort of play both sides a little bit there. But um, if you want to go full tech setup, it's going to cost you a few dollars. Right. And yeah, it's been just recently within the last couple of years where people are like, you know what, I'm ready to drop that amount of money now. I'm let's do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more familiarity with the backcountry is an actual thing. You can do it and not die. Um, there's more avalanche awareness out there and programs and just knowledge of where to go. Um, yeah. And that that's good and bad <laughs> for us who like to enjoy the backcountry because we don't, of course, ever want to see anybody else out there. <laughs> right. Unless it's our friends and then we're always stoked. Like, hey, it's so-and-so. You know? <laughs> right. um, but, you know, it's going to get busier, of course, but I don't ever see it. It's, it's just, I don't know, maybe it's like climbing or something. I don't ever see it being that busy right. of a sport Well, up here. You know, <coughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's crazy. Like in Salt Lake, when I go and do some backcountry tour in Salt Lake, it blows me away. Their backcountry skis out as fast as our resorts do up here. It feels like, and that—that's maybe There's exaggerating. There's a little bit of a population difference. Um, right. mm-hmm. That exaggerates it to some extent, but it makes the point. Like we just aren't nearly as busy. But when I was started touring, I was the only one I ever saw. Yeah. When we opened Gear Thirty, and I'd go up even on a Saturday, I was one of three out there. Now, if I go up on a Saturday, I am one of 12 at the parking lot at 5 in the morning. Yeah. And then and when I'm skiing down, I pass 45 people heading up. And it's it's just nuts, like, how many people. And we've got so much good backcountry um, around Ogden that 45 people is not many. <laughs> I mean, 45 people skiing up there every single day, the backcountry is not going to get skied out. You're always going to be able to find fresh tracks. But maybe five years from now, we're dealing with 200 people out there, and it's just like, okay, now we're starting to feel more like Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, but Well, this is most, spo- supposed to be about your preview, but now I want to know where where the next terrain goes. Do you push up towards past like by Kazi and Monty area? Maybe. Oh Monty, yeah. Maybe. Um but also <clears throat> there's so much you know, like in Salt Lake, you can still get fresh tracks if you just are willing to hike a little further than the next guy. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, eighty percent, eighty five percent of the skiers, the backcountry skiers in Salt Lake aren't ski mountaineers. They're backcountry skiers. And so when you start getting on the steeper more technical terrain the the shoots and the and all that other stuff you're now you're not you're only competing with six other guys not 150 other guys and i think it's probably the same here because i know that when i hike up cutler for example i get to mid mountain or up to dead tree at which is like two-thirds up the uh, up the mountain maybe a little more than halfway up the mountain that's where 80% of the people stop. 
then maybe 20% of the people continue up to uh, up to the saddle. And then that's where pretty much everybody almost everybody stops. <laughs> yeah. And then Joe Keeler and Colby <laughs> Wayman know their names, and yeah. occasionally Ben Botter, like they're Corey Davis maybe on occasion and Chase. <laughs> like they Bill. might go yeah, maybe Bill. There's a few others. They might go to the top mm-hmm. on occasion and ski off of the the summit of Ben Lomond. Very rarely but like there's like Joe Keeler and Colby Wayman maybe are the only ones that'll then venture over and ski off a of Willard Peak. And Ben Botter on occasion might ski off a of Willard Peak. And there's so much terrain over that way that nobody touches because it's a further hike. It's yeah. harder to access. It's less well known. I mean, so I think that's going to start, people are going to start pushing up that way before they start heading up to monte cristo and stuff like that i bet totally me and matt skied off a of willard just in the spring and there's a ton of fun stuff so over there. much yeah totally it's good and it's steeper and it's more mm-hmm. more aggressive it's more exciting than the ben loman side yeah absolutely um, more consequence though for yep. sure so dean if it was a win yeah i really enjoyed their stuff and seriously considering bringing in some apparel from them this next year um great touring stuff some good soft shell pants and soft shell jackets and just just good stuff i feel like all around so uh who who else did you meet with oh wow a lot yeah um, i mean sportiva scarpa ordovox sportiva always Cuba. has i would call sexy clo- apparel they had some cool apparel for yeah. sure and it's actually done fairly well with us this year in our store um Sportiva and Dinafit are very, very similar when it comes to apparel. So we'll have to. Do you have to make a choice? Um, we'll see. We'll okay. see. On yeah. that one. Um, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sportiva apparel. It looks. It's got just enough Euro. It looks fast, but it's not. I swear over you can just. Top. You can wear it to a nightclub. That stuff. It's so sexy. Yeah. It's oh, good yeah. looking. It is. It's awesome stuff. It is. And I've got a Dinafit jacket, a soft shell jacket that kind of gives off a similar vibe to the. Um, the Sportiva stuff. I think the Sportiva stuff historically has been slightly more stylish, though. Yeah. the And the Sportiva stuff that we would bring in, it, it covers more categories. A little bit more of the lifestyle and the technical, where Dina Fit was like shells and technical, down. Technical, technical, mm-hmm. technical. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't look like the most technical thing ever. So yeah. we're going to figure out how to place that one in the store. But it's definitely I'm very interested in. Another company that I know Greg's met with a few times is Blue Ice. And... I've never been super impressed with them as far as what they had to offer our store. Pack company? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, well, yeah, they do make some packs, but yeah. they're like really niche technical, ultralight, ice climbing, ski mountaineering. Oh. Mm-hmm. They've expanded their line. It expands every year. They've got some new ski packs that are pretty, like, really well thought out. And they, they have really lightweight options, but they're also balancing into the more just durable, long-lasting, um, not ultralight. And one thing that I love, and you might disagree with me on this one, but a ski pack that has back panel access as well as you can get into it without having to... I, ca- oh, I, I cannot panel. stand that the front pocket on my BD uh, touring... Dawn Patrol. Dawn Patrol is like a quarter zip or something yeah so <laughs> like what like, the heck is this and like in ordovox the oat root packs you have to unless you get into the 40 liter you have to take the pack off to get into the 
the gut of the pack. And I understand the reasoning behind it, but I also think an option to not have to do that is like, for me, that's something I look for in a pack. And some people, doesn't bother them. Yeah. Um, but that's one thing that Blue Ice is doing, and other companies are doing it as well. But Blue Ice did it, and their design is very, very dialed. Mm -hmm. um, so I like, I like back panel access because, particularly if you're, if you're gonna be doing ski mountaineering and you're doing like a long, long booter, and you want A-frame carry versus just diagonal carry, you can't get into your pack if your skis are A-frame without true. taking the skis off unless you got back panel access. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's m the majority of time I've just got a diagonal carry if I'm if I'm booting. But every once in a while, is that why they do that then? The quarter zip on the front, because 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 of the because if you're carrying your skis, you're not getting in, you're not getting in there anyway. Yeah, in part probably. Because that's your re uh, Abbey rescue stuff. So when you're not carrying when you're going to use that, you're on your skis. Mm -hmm. Usually, yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, the back panel access is convenient for a few reasons, um, but I've seen some companies do it well and some companies do it not, not quite so as well. Yeah, I just like having both of the options yeah. there, because um, lots of times when I am on the skin track going up, I just take my pack off and I can just set it at my feet and get into it, but I have to now open it. It's just more convenient, I feel like, or yeah. if I want Matt to grab something on my pack real quick or to put something in my pack. You had to take it all the way off. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I understand it, but I like I like to see them both be on there. Blue Ice is doing that. Um, Deuter had some that are doing that. Um, there's Blue Ice, yeah, we haven't carried them. No, so we haven't. We I'm not going to say that we are, but I, it's another company that I think makes some pretty cool stuff. But like Greg said, pretty niche, um, that ultralight ice climbing, and we don't do a ton of ice climbing as far as volume in our shop. But I have to say we had a guy come in and look ask for access today. By the way, really? Yeah. Cool. For what? For BCA? Ice, ice climbing access. Oh, access. Oh, yeah. oh, cool. Ice tools. Um, <clears throat> so I have to say, Blue Ice has a uh, Dyneema Schemo harness that packs to like nothing and weighs just about nothing. You look at it and it looks almost like almost like lingerie, like. Just it's just like this. So tiny what you're saying is I'm gonna look good in it. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Kay. Yeah. In fact, when I saw it, the first thing I thought of was you thought of me. Brandon would look He's, so yeah, good yeah. in that. That's most people think. Of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Moving on. But like there, this harness he showed me, and I was just like, wait, what is this? Because it looked like this dainty little something. He's like, well, it's a schema harness. Like, you can't tie yourself in that's not gonna support anything like i've got underwear that looks more substantial than that and but it's true like full full body weight like it'll do everything that you need for repels for schemo type stuff and just weighs nothing packs to nothing they do some of those real niche things like that that mm. i just i don't know it gets me they they do it for me i see that and just like oh yeah that's that's a good company. Yeah. So I, totally. I like the companies that, that have like a real passion for that are like hardcore about their sport and have a real passion for that and let that passion kind of grow into other things. Um, some companies, uh, you, most companies, I think most successful companies start that way, and uh, but some companies, 
I feel, especially now, and maybe not so much in our industry, but just in, in the world in general, because access to factories and getting products are so easy, a lot of times you get companies that are more marketing companies that have products instead of like engineering first product companies that then try to market it. And um, so I love to see those companies who are like super passionate about their sport, really passionate about their engineering and just make killer products. And Blue Ice seems to be one of those to me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah they make killer stuff and they're not in the forefront of the they're not the front page of outside magazine they don't have that marketing push but like you said they've got users and engineers that are making stuff very very dialed right now bill uh oh what's his name i was gonna say bill belichick but that's not right (laughs) (laughs) wrong subject Uh, (laughs) bill uh uh oh i've i've forgotten his last name he used to work at black diamond um overseeing their uh they're climbing hard good design and stuff like that i think he i don't know is he's do you know if he's still working at blue ice i don't know um uh, what's no, his bill. Name? <sighs> great is he i don't know i met a guy i don't know why i've forgotten his last ice, name but i don't know if it was bill <laughs> so anyway they've got some good good guys working for him there at blue ice um blue ice north america uh they've pulled some some top guys from other companies who are really like hardcore. One thing that was that impressed me about this Bill dude that whose last name I've forgotten, which really this bugs Bill me dude. because I <laughs> I've talked to him on many occasions. I should remember. Is his he name. younger? Nope. Okay, no, I haven't. He's met not. Him. He's probably in his fifties. Most Bills are older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Just right. True. Um, but this guy, this Bill dude, um, me, me and my buddy Phil. Uh, Most Phil's are older not too. But. Phil, but yeah, me and my buddy Phil, we were heading up um, to just run some laps on Great White Icicle in Little Cottonwood Canyon. It's just a like thousand foot waterfall that's WI three, I think. Um, um, but it's it's mellow enough that you can totally, if you feel comfortable soloing it, you can totally solo it. You get like. 80 foot pitch and then a snow field and then like an 80 foot pitch and a snow field and it's all kind of a slightly lower angle so we like to go up there when we were just wanting to get fitness in and we'd solo laps on it and we'd go and climb it two or three times and for a workout in the morning well most people that are on there in the morning are roped up but occasionally you run into people that are also out there soloing and I I, um, Bill was a guy and I didn't know him personally, so I didn't talk to him at the time or anything, but I, I recognized his face, um, and is from, I think a black diamond catalog from back in the way back in the day, I recognized his face and I was like, Oh, that's the black diamond designer dude. And, um, but I ran into him and he was there doing the same thing. And he's like this old, old dude. And he's just like, needs a workout. And so he's running laps on great white ice school in the morning. And uh, so he climbs, he gets out, he's pretty hardcore. Plus, he's a, an amazing paraglider. Oh, and wow. so he helps with, like, development of, of these ultralight paragliding things. So he'll go up and he'll climb something crazy and then he'll fly home. And, like... That's the way to do it, Pretty man. awesome. So, anyway, it's... And I... Last I heard, he was working for Blue Ice. I don't know if that's still the case, but they've got some 
like hardcore dudes working there. So it's kind of a cool company. Yeah, I don't anything, know. anything else, Chase? Um, one thing maybe <clears throat> maybe you already know about this. But one thing I thought was cool, I learned some more stuff about Julebo. Met with David, um, who's their CEO and CEO of the. I don't know if he's the CEO over Julebo USA or Julebo as a whole. Anyways, um, I was asking him about the difference between uh, reactive their reactive lens and then. What's the popular transition lenses? Because yeah. <clears throat> um, everyone, I mean, Dragon, Spy, they all offer a transition lens. And Jewelbos tend to be a little bit more expensive. The reactive lens. And I was talking to him and he said that reactive lenses from Jewelbo is an impregnation that they put in the lens of the actual goggle or the sunglass. That's Whereas Not a coating. On not a coating. Whereas the transition lenses are just a coating that they put on top of the sunglass or the goggle so a transition lens has a he said like one to one to max two year shelf life so it'll transition and then eventually just picks a category and it stays at that category and it doesn't transition anymore huh. whereas reactive lens from Julbo that um, never wipes off never goes away because it's impregnated into the goggle plus they've got a lifetime warranty so if it ever does stop oh transitioning or reacting um you can send it back they'll send you a new pair um but i thought that was interesting of why are they a little bit more expensive it's not just because it's a high quality lens and you're getting a nice lens but it's actual their their process and their uh reactive technology is above that of the others they're not just buying a uh a, a rub on or paint on glaze on whatever um coating that's actually in the goggle so i thought that was cool um helps to set Julebo apart and helps me understand a little bit more of why they're a little bit more expensive and why they are that high quality lens. Nice. I've got a pair of Julebo's with those uh, reactive or transition type lenses. They are now probably five or six years old okay. and they still work awesome. Really? They still work great, yeah. Now, I'm really bad with taking care of my sunglasses. Like, I, I just... Like, I wear them when I'm in the car. When I get out of the car, I just, like, pull them off my head and check them in the car. And I don't, I like, I don't take care of them very well. <clears throat> so my favorite are Kanan because they've got the their SR71 or SR91 or whatever it is. Um, lenses are more durable than your average, probably, carbonate lens. And so those tend to not get scratched up as easily. I've noticed, though, with sunglasses, frames matter. They do. Big time. Um, and so I'm really digging these Smiths, by the way, the frame, the frames are just burlier than the last two sunglasses I've had. Yeah. Well, the Canons, I feel I've like never owned they a have, they have a, a real sturdy frame, but my jewel balls, I have to say, like, as far as comfort and performance in the mountains, they're as good as they come. They're so lightweight. They're so comfortable. Um, but the frame doesn't feel quite as sturdy. But lighter weight, for sure, but not quite as sturdy as, like, the Canons. And the lenses scratch a little more easily. So, Ooh. for me, like, I kind of save them for mountain pursuits. When I'm going on a real long trail run or I'm going mountain biking or something, I'll choose those. But for everyday use, I know that I'm going to scratch those lenses up more quickly because I don't take care of my glasses. So, I save them for mountains, and I use my Canons for everything else. So. Yeah. But I love that transition mm -hmm. lens. It's I've, awfully convenient. I've got a pair that I use for mountain biking, and I really like them. But they 
they have scratched they're not a scratch proof yeah. lens you have to take a little bit more care of or better care of them but and that's I've just been really impressed that's just polycarbonate in general mm -hmm. like every brand out there pretty much uses polycarbonate lenses mm -hmm. oakley smith all those others they use polycarbonate lenses now a few companies are coming out with the other technology uh chroma pop and um and the sr71 or 91 or whatever it is uh, lenses some of those they're more vibrant and that's what people think they're getting but they're actually getting more durability as well mm -hmm. so absolutely cool any uh any others hmm for right now i think that wraps up a lot of dub dub yeah um, that's awesome yeah cool well i'm excited to see some of the new stuff that you bring in for next year and i'm i'm excited to see the dinafit stuff dinafit's always been one of my favorite brands and um they've they're just they're another brand that's like designed by engineers they mm -hmm. get it like it's function first and and their stuff looks good and, and everything as well but it's function first so i i'm a big fan of their brand totally so this has been a long time coming by the house democrats but i am oh. saddened oh. the house democrats something just something just lit on fire here <laughs> what is this I don't know, but just destroyed the talking House Democrats. I just destroyed this. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding for all of you Democrats. Sorry about that. I'll probably have to cut that part. That, that did start at some random emptiness. Okay. No problem. I was trying to get this fire to go back going again. <coughs> I got the fire going again. Nice. There we go. Yeah. All righty. Cool. Well, thanks, Chase. Yeah, for um, sure. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to click subscribe. Also, share it with your friends. And um, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at gear underscore three zero. You can like us on Facebook and get uh, updates and different things on our sales that we have going on. And you can check out our website, gear30.com. That's spelled out G-E-A-R-T-H-I-R-T-Y.com. And check out our deals of the week and it is christmas time and so you'll find lots it's of christmas special time <laughs> <laughs> who Sorry. sings that song i don't know because isn't that a combo effort yeah probably isn't that a whole is. bunch of people uh, it probably is but i haven't heard that song this i mean christmas. you are mr christmas but i know i love yeah. love christmas music i start listening to it on the tw on the 5th of july <laughs> uh, anyway <laughs> Um, Christmas, Independence Day, Christmas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, if you uh, if you want to check out Gear30.com, you can find out all of our special Christmas deals. Um, join our newsletter, and you'll get those Christmas deals sent straight to your inbox. Uh, I think that's it. So thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. See you out there. Woo.